welcome to Untold Physio Stories podcast, your perfect commute resource with physio failures, successes, interesting cases, and more from the physio and rehab world with your host, Drs. Andrew Rothschild and Urson Religioso. Try these in your practice. Email my exclusive promo code MMT2 to helix at helix4, the number four, pain.com to receive samples of these new professional pain relief creams and find a medical to supply distributor near you. You'll get a starter kit with several samples, patient information brochures, and it's a great way to help patients and grow your practice. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories podcast. I'm your host, Dr. E with Modern Manual Therapy, Edge Mobility System, and our four-month online mentoring program, Modern Rehab Mastery. My co-host is... Dr. Andrew Rothschild with Modern Patient Education. How's it going tonight, Andrew? Good, Arson. How are you? Good. So Andrew finally has a story. I know it's just totally going to be worth it. Well, I don't want to oversell it, but you know. All right. Yeah. What do you got? So it was a patient I actually saw this week. Um, and I had seen, I've seen her before in, in years past, but hadn't been for a while. And she was coming in with um, hip pain. She said, like, you know, hip pain, stiffness, weakness. Um, she had just gotten a diagnosis of osteoporosis in her lumbar spine. And she has osteopenia in her left hip. And that's the involved hip. Um, she has not, she didn't have any x-rays or anything. There's no mechanism of injury. It's been something that's been going on for, she said, you know, a couple of years. Um, but, it, you know, kind of gotten a little bit worse. She it's sort of a lateral hip pain gets, you know, she has discomfort when lying on her, on her left side, doesn't really have any pain with prolonged walking or sitting, but more so with like quick movements, like, uh, like if she stepped laterally when playing tennis or like she, you know, she was throwing a football with her niece, kind of, you know, stepping quickly, like those kinds of maneuvers, even like, uh, twisting her leg, getting out of a car, even sometimes like rolling over in bed kind of thing. She got like a, a sharp pain in the hip and then sometimes it would if it happened you know too frequently it would develop into like an ache um and then surprisingly you know i kind of had a just a sort of a forming a hypothesis based on what she was talking about but her hip mobility you know her passive range of motion was great when I mean, she had full range of motion all directions no no pain no catching um uh, negative favor test negative fader test quadrant you know quadrant test uh, her spine, you know, spine range of motion, full, painless, uh, all these kinds of things, squatting. Yeah, and she talks about it. She like she squatted, but she would like lean all her weight on her left leg. That would be painful, but just doing a regular squat, weight evenly distributed, no pain. Single leg balance, single normal single leg stance, no pain, no pain with stairs, um, no 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 deviation, no nothing, no no glute med gate or Trendelenburg, anything like that heel toe walk you know myotomes totally fine and then it got a little more interesting where trying you know assessing hip abduction in sideline she couldn't lift her leg off like i was going to hold her leg up i was like you know you know, hold it here i'm gonna you know provide some resistance and she i, I would i could w- went to the table she could not hold it up um against against gravity and then the same thing happened in in, in uh, for hip extension and prone like she could not lift against gravity and if i lift it up and try to have her hold it into an extended position she could not hold against gravity it wasn't painful just couldn't do it 
Um, and she had some at with palpation in, around in the gluteals. Um, she had, at, I mean, you could kind of feel that there was some atrophy. And she said, like, yeah, I've noticed like when I'm sitting, like I'm touching back there, it feels like there's just like less. And she's a, a very lean woman anyway. Um, she said, it feels like there's less stuff there. I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's some atrophy going on there. But um, I don't know if there's, it's like a true atrophy or is it you know, just inhibition because of just, you know, pain and, and, and avoidance of certain things, disuse. And, um, you know, so I was trying to think of like, what, what am I going to do here? I mean, obviously everything else, you know, spine looks good. Hip mobility looks good. So, you know, ruling out things of what's going on. It sort of looks like that sort of you know, lateral hip tendinopathy, but, you know, not even other than just, you know, weakness with hip abduction, pain lying on the side, but not necessarily even super painful to palpation, but the atrophy. So I did, I just say there's a general long axis distraction. Um, I remember from my, you know, my residency and fellowship training talking about how distraction, yes, can be pain modulatory in terms of reducing pain, but it can also be sort of facilitatory um, from a, you know, quote unquote, strength standpoint, like manual muscle test versus compression, like you can, c- compression can be inhibitory. So I just did a couple rounds of like a nice 10 second hip distraction. And then I put her back in sideline and she could lift her leg off the ground. She could lift, you know, she could hold it and she could hold against resistance. It went from like a one, if you're grading a manual muscle test, it went from like a one to like, you know, three plus four minus if you're going to, if we're going to get technical on these things, which don't really mean anything. Um, and so that was just really interesting. And then, and the same thing happened with hip extension. She could all of a sudden now do a little bit of hip extension just with just doing this very simple, brief hip distraction mobilization. And then I started to do some, um, I kind of showed her a couple of things I wanted to really start to work on from a hip strengthening standpoint, just some very simple stuff that she could get started with and showed her sort of a self hip distraction mobilization using like a heavy band. Um, but it was one of those things that haven't really seen anything like dramatic like that. Like I can't think of anything that dramatic of a change I've seen um, in my you know 16 years as a clinician to be that significant. That's interesting. So, um, what did you give her for home then? So I gave her basically like sort of a supine banded hip abduction, you know, again, sort of a little bit of resistance in supine. Um, I had her do, I had to do some, started doing some bridges cause she couldn't do like, a, she tried to do like a single leg bridge or she did a double leg bridge, lifted up one leg. So her left leg was supporting it. She couldn't hold it against, uh, she couldn't hold it up. I kind of gave her like a staggered bridge. So it was a little bit more emphasis on that side. Um, I gave her actually a single leg. She could do sort of like a single, almost like a single leg deadlift, just body weight. Like a move like a drinking bird kind of movement. Mm-hmm. And then just that self um, hip abduction or hip distraction mobilization. Like, uh, like 90, 90. And you kind of push down. No, just like, like sort of like a long, long axis using like a very heavy band kind of anchored around a door. It's like a, it's like a self so sort of a, uh, one of your buddies, Kelly Starrett's techniques. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. We go way back. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting though. I mean, when I think of, why this could work. I mean, this could have worked potentially not even with distractions. It could have worked with ISTM. It could have worked with banding or it could have worked with um, any sort of kind of novel stimulus, maybe just yeah. brought more awareness to an area that was very, very inhibited. Um, did you repalpate and see if the 
atrophy didn't feel as asymmetrical anymore because maybe it was just um inhibited rather than yeah. yeah i did not i did not i mean i, I didn't i didn't I, I wish i had but i, I was just you know all of a sudden all of a sudden with the change i had it, it just kind of it kind of slipped my mind and i was kind of moving in different directions but no i didn't that would be that would be interesting but you know certainly next time you know reassess kind of see what's going on and just to see if it feels anything any, any noticeable difference yeah because still a little weak and it still feels asymmetrical to to palpation then you know it's true atrophy but right if it feels the same and she basically feels more stuff there as you said then it was just inhibition right um it probably is truly just inhibition because it changes that quickly but the fact that if it it was that weak she would have some sort of trendelenburg or glutamine type gait you know she can single leg stance with you know with no no drop of anything so it's you know it's it's just an interesting you know sort of dichotomy there Right. Interesting, too, because, you know, where we have moved away from, like, old Andrew, old Urson, or I should say young young clinician Urson and Andrew right, right, right. would have immediately gone there because we'd have just started with hip distractions or something, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if I would even would have gone there now because you're saying, like, oh, her squat was even and her she didn't deviate away and her lumbar spine was full and her hip passive was full, you know? Um, yeah. I'm just thinking like, oh, wow, where's this going? Because all our current biases wouldn't have led us to a simple hip distraction. I mean, I, I probably would have tried some sort of hip technique for pain modulation. But um, it's also like, even if you were um, maybe a little bit later in my career when I started moving to, you know, everything's got to be air quotes functional and everything has to be closed kinetic chain. Um, you know, you wouldn't have gone with like, even checking all these like open chain things because you thought, oh, open chain would have been fine because all our closed chain stuff was great. But it's not right, true because right. our open chain was like terribly weak, right? Or at least terribly inhibited anyway. Yeah. It was it was one of the things that I hadn't even I really did they normally I didn't even do a neuroscreen. I did it after that because I was like, oh my gosh, she's she can't even lift against the ground. Or like did I miss something? There's you know, she's not dragging her foot, but I was like, is all of a sudden does she have some sort of you know, almost a radiculopathy where she doesn't, you know, it's painless radiculopathy, but everything else tested, you know, normal and strong. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I mean, you would have seen it in something. You would have seen it in her gait, right? Or, oh, exactly. You know, it would have been obvious. I mean, no one who tests like a one is going to have a symmetrical gait and a symmetrical squat. Right. Right. Um, exactly. That's why I was like, I yeah. just got to be sure to, I want to make sure I rule it out, be thorough. But the fact that it was like yeah. just so, I was like, she could not lift her leg off the table. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I can think of one case that I that I've seen similar have that dramatic of a change in you know strength, air quotes again. Um, there's a a colleague of mine, uh, a PTA who used to work for me. Her husband, really big guy, um, used to play Division One football and also ended up in construction. So um, even after football and everything, he was really really strong and uh, fit. Um, so. He ended up having some sort of traumatic accident where he had, um, like, I think either his third or f- or fourth, maybe even second, um, from the digit on on his left hand, his DIP was just severed. Mm. So he was he was missing that. You know, they they couldn't they couldn't um, surgically reattach it, and he had significantly weak 
um, grip strength and he was unable to do a lot of stuff, return to work. He was on like, he was seeing, you know, another therapist on comp because it was like a comp injury. So she said, hey, you know what? Can you just take a look at my husband? He's been going to therapy, just doing grip strengthening, very faithful with his exercises and his grip. is just not changing at all. So I just, you know, I took a look at him and I, I had a dynamometer at the time. And I think it's like right grip strength was something like 180, like something insane, right? And, and um, his left was only like maybe 40 or 50, maybe even a little bit lower, like dramatically weaker. And uh, I was just getting into all the ISTM and all the neurophysiologic stuff, you know, and um, I was just forming like what I thought of what eventually became the eclectic approach. So I just thought, hey, I'm just going to do some ISTM on his wrist flexors and see what happens. So I did like five minutes of ISTM on his anterior forearm. And his grip strength went from 30 to over 100. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, and I checked it like multiple times just to make sure the first time, you know, just, you know, cause I, it's not like I just tried it once. I, I right. checked it like four or five times. It was consistently weak. It's not like, it, you know, repeated times, if it was, if it was inhibition and there, or there was a learning effect, he should have gotten stronger, but he did not get stronger until I did ISTM. Could have happened with wrist mobilizations or banded, you know, or even PNF. Sure. It absolutely could have, which is, I, I just, chose ISTM. I think I just like started selling the edge tool or something. So I was, I was really into it. Um, but he was shocked too. Cause again, he's been doing like tons of wrist, wrist strengthening. It's like after that, then his wrist strengthening finally stuck or finally yeah. had an effect. But yeah. I don't see those cases too often because weak yeah. is usually weak or in, inhib inhibition is usually like obvious. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, yeah. So Great case. Where can people find you, Andrew? People can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, but at a Rothschild PT on uh, the first two most often. All right. And uh, if you have any interesting cases, comments, um, hilarious physio failures, make sure to reach out to us on social media and feel free to be a guest on the podcast. Make sure to rate until physio stories, five stars, wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button or like, like us on social media. And as always, you guys have a great night or day. Untold Physio Stories is now sponsored by MyPT Insurance. Insurance just got easier. Through continued research, MyPT Insurance has crafted a policy that is economical and provides you with the peace of mind you need. Your extensive education, training, and experience as a PT allows you to assist clients in achieving their personal health goals. By practicing without individual professional liability insurance, you could be placing your career and future finances at risk. Whether you're a student, self-employed, or employed with a company, MyPT Insurance is here to provide affordable insurance coverage while protecting you and your patients. MyPT Insurance's plan also includes mobile coverage, which means it follows you wherever you work in the United States. Employed rates and self-employed rates are available. Visit myptinsurance.com edge to sign up today. If you've had dreams of starting your own side hustle, make sure to check out Curve Health Online. They have an iPad, iPhone, and Android app, and they only take home 7% of whatever it is you charge. Otherwise, it's free for their all-in-one computer vision, exercise library, HIPAA-compliant messaging system, and telehealth platform. Again, check it out at modmt.com slash curve, C-U-R-V, and make sure to tell them Dr. E sent you.